0: All right, we're going to ma- welcome you back. If you want a palm branch, we got plenty, so even the big, the, the big kids can grab one. So we are going to use them during the message. So I, I want them all gone. I want them all gone. So uh, if all the kids have been served, then do the big kids, all right? By big kids, I mean adults, all right. There's days I wish I was a little more of a kid again. Felt like it, you know. All right. In my body. Amen. So we're going to look at Palm Sunday Passage. Palm Sunday Passage. Um, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, as it's called, in most uh, in a lot of the different books of the Bible. Um of the Gospels. It's referred to in all four Gospels, but it is called like the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. All right? And so um, it is called Palm Sunday because of, the, specifically, the passage that, that Dan read is that it, it talks about that they took the palm branches, they cut them off from the, the trees, and then they began to wave them. It was a sign of giving reverence to a king, right? An honor to a king. And it, was, it symbolized that. So that is why we call it Palm Sunday. Amen? So we're going to have, you're going to use these palm branches, okay? So kids, we're going to use them. When we introduce each point, you're going to wave them, okay? The adults, you can join in as well. So when we do the, the, the palm branches. So let's practice real fast, So great. Point number one. All right, we're doing pretty good. All right, okay. All right. Okay, I think we're ready. Alright, so when you look up the events of Palm Sunday and Easter, the question that people had concerning Jesus is, who is this guy, right? Who is this guy? Um, he, you know, up, he ministers for three and a half years, um, he's, a lot of miracles take place, we read those in the Gospels, there's a lot of buzz saying, who is this Jesus? Is he a prophet? Is he John the Baptist? Is he Elijah? Uh, who is this guy? Um, And so, as we near Passover, three and a half years into Jesus' public ministry, it is going to come to the place where we have this time of what we call Easter or the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Christ. All right? And to fulfill what was written in Scripture, um, he makes his way to Jerusalem because it's in Jerusalem that he will be crucified and he will be resurrected, all right? So this account is uh, recorded in all four Gospels, as I mentioned, uh, of him coming. So Palm Sunday takes place six days before Passover, all right? Uh, It's on Sunday. Uh, In that culture, Sunday wasn't the sacred day. It was what day was the Sabbath? Saturday was the Sabbath day, right? And so... um, Passover would then be uh, observed Thursday night going into Friday before uh, their Sabbath. All right, And so six days before Passover, Jesus would come to Bethany, which is just on the east side there of Jerusalem. Chris has the map up there. So Bethany, I don't know if you can see that, it says over here. So Bethany, is just, it's only two miles east outside of Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives. Bethage is where... The donkey will be. They'll get the donkey. That's where the palm branches, it sounds like, they take out the palm branches. He makes his uh, way into Jerusalem. All right? Um, And so it's in Bethany then he will meet with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. So that comes out in the John passage that Dan read. Um, Lazarus is an important figure, right? Why? Yeah, because Jesus had raised him from the dead and it wasn't just like he had. just his heart had stopped beating. He'd been dead for a few days, right? And he's raised from the dead. And, you know, the favorite line there is he already stinketh, right? All right? It depends if you're doing the King James or not. But he had been all his body had been prepared. He was in the tomb. He was dead. All right? And God raised him from the dead. And so there was a lot of buzz. But in Jerusalem specifically, there was a lot of buzz because people knew that Lazarus was dead. They did his funeral and burial, and now he's raised from the dead. All right? And so he spends the night in Bethany, but that's also where Mary and Martha are from. Um, And so um, connected to Lazarus there, um, the brother there, right? And so um, they, um, they are part of that picture as well. And we know that Mary just had a lot of reverence for Christ, and we'll see that come out in the story, the passage that we'll read here. So, Uh, Martha prepares the meal. You know, Martha, Martha, you're busy about a lot of things, that line, right? Um, But she made the meal. Jesus was the guest of honor. Mary is going to take expensive perfume, a year's worth of wages. She pours it out on Jesus' feet. That's in the John passage leading up to what Dan read. And after she pours it on his feet, how does she take care of the oil, the perfume? How does she get rid of the excess? She wipes it with her hair, right? So it's a beautiful picture preparing Jesus for uh, what was about to take place. All right. So th- he spends the night in Bethany with uh, Mary, Martha, Lazarus. And then on what we call Palm Sunday, he would make his way into Jerusalem. And it is there they take the palm branches, the donkey, and all that, and they make their way into to Jerusalem. So the events of Palm Sunday, I believe, answer a lot of questions of who this Jesus of Nazareth is. And that's what we want to focus in on this morning. So let's bow our heads in prayer and then uh, dive into our passage. We're going to be in Luke chapter 19 is where we're going to be. I guess I didn't announce that. Luke 19, starting in verse 28. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to study your word. Um, Father, give us open hearts to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to your church. And we give you the thanks. We ask it in your name. Amen. Verse 28, it says, after Jesus had said this, okay, so it, it's a parable, according to Luke's account here, there's a parable that precedes this. So he put all four Gospels together, you get a little bit better picture of all the events. Verse 29, um, he went up on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. So it's then probably he spends uh, the day in Bethany with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, Lazarus. Luke does not record that, all right? Verse 29, As they approached Bethage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it there, you'll find a colt tied there, so a young donkey that had never been ridden, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say to them, The Lord needs it. All right? So that's the line, right? If you need something, just say, Hey, the Lord needs it. (laughs) All right? But God had prepared people's hearts for this. Verse 32, those who were sent ahead went and found it just as Jesus had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. And they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread out their cloaks on the road. And John's gospel tells us that is when they took the palm branches as well and waved them. All right. So the first the first point here is that Palm Sunday reveals that Jesus is. So he had to wave palm branches. Reveals that Jesus is the humble king. That Jesus is the humble king. Isn't that a beautiful picture of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on this young donkey? Right. You know, a donkey. Uh, when Rex was living, Rex Lauterbach was living, um, and he they had their own pet donkey out there. <laughs> she was pretty well trained and um but one of the things that Rex pointed out to me is that on the back back of a donkey is a is a cross is a cross isn't that just interesting how god you know did god have that planned in all the way before when he created the earth and created a donkey put the cross on the back you know that's just too much of a coincidence isn't it um but jesus would ride in on this donkey and it was a sign of It was at times used for kings as they were being brought into a city in honor of them, for them to ride on a colt that had never been ridden before, a sign of honor, all right? But I think there was also kings that would like to come in on a a strong stallion, right? That display of power and might. But Jesus comes into Jerusalem not in 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 a grand way, not in a powerful way, but in a humble way, doesn't he? He is the humble king. He leads with humility. This is what Zechariah, the Old Testament prophet, says hundreds of years before Jesus would walk the earth. He says, Rejoice, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly or humbly, riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. So Zechariah prophesies this event that would take place. So as Jesus made his way into Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday, riding on a young donkey, it was revealing to all that were watching that, watching that Jesus was the humble king that was prophesied that would come. You know, humility in our culture, I think, is sometimes lost. So in the, and we had youth group, well, we've had it every week, but we talked about humility in our lesson about three weeks ago. And Tad and Re- Rebecca maybe remember this, but uh, we mentioned the word humility, and one of the questions was, "What is humility?" And I think humility has been lost in our culture. We we we've forgotten what it is to be to lead and to live a life that is humble. It doesn't mean weakness. It doesn't mean that people step all over you. It just means that you have a heart that is compassionate and gracious, and that is, that it's not all about me. It's about other people, right? This is what Philippians 2, 5 through 8. I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but it's a great passage that Paul gives. It's a hymn. He uh, recites it in Philippians chapter 2. He's talking about how they should treat one another and be. humble towards one another, caring towards one another. He says, in your earthly relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. In other words, something to be held on greedily to, all right, to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing. He emptied himself literally He gave up the omnis, his omniscience, knowing all things, his all-powerfulness. You can't be a human being and do miracles, right? But he did miracles, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? Just like you and I. And he was made in, um, he took, emptied himself, made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. He did that when he washed his disciples' feet, right? Put on the, the towel, got down on his hands and knees and washed their feet and being made like in human likeness. When you're, you know, we may not think that's a bad thing, but when you're the God of the universe to take on human form is a step down, right? And being found in appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. He's obedient to who? The Father, right? And by coming obedient to death, even death on the cross, Jesus is the humble king that is approachable, that is kind, that is compassionate, and that is merciful. Amen? Isn't that a good thing? You know, it's fun to follow a leader that is strong, that is powerful, and God is all that. But from that display of power, you don't get the the feeling that I can draw near, I can draw close, that that person is going to care about my needs and who I am. But when you have somebody that leads with humility, it says, you know what? Yeah, they're a ruler, but they still care about me and who I am. And that is who we see on Palm Sunday as Jesus came into town, as he was riding on this young donkey into Jerusalem. Because he is the humble king, he truly gets us. He understands our suffering, our pain, and our struggle. He gets it because he walked through that himself, right? Even the death on the cross. All right, verses thirty-seven through forty. It says, "When they came near the place on the road that goes down from the Mount of Olives, the crowd, the whole crowd of disciples, began joyfully to praise with loud voices for all the miracles they had seen." And John will say that that's when they waved the palm branches, right? And they say, "Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest." And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus says, I tell you, he replied, If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Amen. And so our second point is the Messiah. Palm Sunday reveals that Jesus is the Messiah. And as the kids are filling this out, they do get a prize at the end if they fill that out and turn it into Georgia, right? Georgia, are you you the prize lady? Yes, I think you are. Yes, Georgia's the prize lady. It reveals that Jesus is the Messiah. What is the Messiah? What is that? Well, the Messiah, if you take it literally, means anointed one, the one that is anointed to be king. So when... Um, Samuel, the prophet, anointed Saul, and then later he would anoint king. It it is that symbol that that person, the oil was poured over them, and not just a little bit like we do on Sunday mornings when we're praying for people. They took a ram's horn full of oil, and they, they poured it over their head, and it ran all over their clothes and over them. But it symbolized, what, that the Holy Spirit was upon them. You know, Jesus would quote Isaiah and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and He has appointed me to go preach the gospel to the poor, right? And to the oppressed. Um, he is the anointed one. And it also would that word can be in the Greek and the Hebrew can also refer to the Christ, the anointed one. You know, Christ isn't use that word Christ isn't used in translations prior to the cross. It's usually one that is referred to after he is been crucified and resurrected, we call him Jesus Christ or the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. So he is the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the one that the Old Testament prophesied that would come to deliver Israel from the oppression and that would rule one day on David's throne. Now that still has not taken place yet, has it? Um, and, and so when the Old Testament scholars and the people that read Scripture and they read Isaiah and they read the Psalms and they read Jeremiah, they saw the picture of the Messiah and they were all looking for this Messiah, the one that would come to deliver them, right? They were looking for that. And the disciples see that in Jesus because he's, he's doing the miracles. He's turning water into wine. He's walking on water. He's raising the dead. They they know he is the anointed one, the Messiah. And as they come in that day into Jerusalem and they're waving the palm branches and they're putting the cloaks on the road and they're going, they said, this is it. This is the moment that Jesus is going to step into the role to be the king of Israel. And then the story unravels from there, doesn't it? Right? He cleans out the temple. He has Passover with His disciples Thursday night, and then it really goes downhill. He's betrayed Thursday night, crucified on Friday. And then you have Sunday where He's resurrected. Then it's kind of like, but even then, even then, Luke says, they're walking down the road, and Jesus joins these two disciples. And they say, we don't know what happened. We thought He was the Christ. We thought He was the Messiah. We don't understand. But Palm Sunday is the reveal. You know, Jesus, when he did miracles, right? He'd heal somebody of this great miracle, right? They could walk or they could see. And he goes, don't tell anybody. (laughs) You like that reverse psychology? Why? Because it wasn't his time. But now as he makes his way to Jerusalem, it's time. And so now the big reveal happens. And the people shouted at the top of their voices, and they said, here comes our King, here comes the Messiah. You know, the disciples asked, had some of these same questions, and Jesus would ask them, Matthew chapter 16, and if you kind of look at the chronology, it's probably just prior to them coming to Jerusalem, not much before that. And um, It's found in Matthew 16, 13 through 18. It says, when they came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others, Elijah, because they even talked about Elijah would come back. Still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But then he asked them the question. He says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, this is his big moment. He says, you are the Messiah, the Anointed One. The Son of the Living God. He got it. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by the, my Father in heaven. And as I tell you, you are Peter, rock on this rock, this truth, I will build my church, and the gates of hell, of Hades, will not overcome it. He is the Christ, the Son of the Living God, He is the Messiah. And when we use that term, He is the King of Kings, He is the Lord of Lords. And Isaiah talks a lot about the Messiah. Well, we, what the Old Testament people failed to realize, and we have the advantage because we, we're on the other side of the cross and the resurrection. Okay, but what they didn't understand is that the Messiah would have to suffer. Isaiah fifty-two, fifty-three. They totally, they didn't see that part of being the Messiah. And Jesus would tell them in the Gospels, leading up to this moment, So he would tell the disciples, I'm going to have to die. And it just went right over their heads. You ever done that? Told somebody something that just went over their head? My wife tells me things. She goes, did you hear what I said? I said, nope, I did not hear it. I was thinking about something else. Right? It went right over their heads. They totally missed it. And even after the resurrection, they had forgot what he had said. And then all of a sudden... When he comes back and he meets with them, it's kind of like, I told you. They go, oh, yeah, you did tell us, didn't you? But see, the people didn't see that Messiah would have to suffer and die on the cross. But Palm Sunday reveals, it gives us a snapshot of what was still to come, that he was the Messiah, the Son of God, the Anointed One. And so when Jesus came the first time, he came to bring salvation. That's the way I like to say it. The second time when he comes, he will come to bring salvation he'll establish his kingdom on earth. He'll come as that victorious king, right? The battle of Armageddon. And some of you like that stuff. Some of you don't like to look at it because you're scared. But, but that's when the, we see the full fulfillment of the Messiah. Let's look at verses 41 to 44 and bring it home this morning. We're going to have communion at the end of this, all right? So it says in verse 41, As they approached Jerusalem and saw the city, Jesus wept over it. Why did he weep? We see that compassion and the mercy of Jesus. Verse 42. And he said, If you, even you, had known on this day what would bring you peace. And he's speaking of Jerusalem. The, and not just the city, the people. The people. If you had only known what would bring you peace on this day, but it is hidden from your eyes. So even though God orchestrated a moment where it was being revealed that He was the Messiah and those who had open hearts were hearing it. Those that had their minds set, it was hidden from them. You know what? The Gospel may be so clear to you and you think, you know what? My unsaved friend or neighbor, it, it, you know, they surely they turn on the TV, they turn on the radio. There's some there's churches on every corner. They, they know about the Gospel. But did you know that you can... Be in America and still the gospel can be hidden from your very eyes. Jerusalem, that's where the temple was. That's where it all took place and yet it was hidden from their eyes. They couldn't see it. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build embankments against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. We know that this would happen. Jewish revolt would take place after this and dash you to the ground. Some of this could still be Futuristic, talking about things to come. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children and you, within your walls. And they will not leave one stone on top of another because you did not recognize the time of the Lord's coming. All right, our third point. Got your palm branches there. Palm Sunday reveals that Jesus is the one who would bring us peace with God. You know, if we recognize that he is the king of kings and the lord of lords and our savior, he brings peace. And that's what the Jewish population most of them had missed and the scholars of the day, they missed that he would come to die upon the cross to be that suffering servant and humble king that would take our sin upon himself so that we could have Peace with God. And you say, why do I need peace with God? Because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? And because of that, because we have sin in our life, God can't associate with sin, right? It comes between us and God. It happened to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane. Garden of Eden. There we go. All right, we'll have to edit that out, right? But it comes between us, right? They, they lost fellowship with God. They had to be moved out of the garden. Sin had to be dealt with, and so God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Matthew 121 It's prophesied, and she will give birth to a son, referring to Mary, and you will give Him the name Jesus. Why? Because He will save His people from their sins. God loves us, but He hates sin. And so to deal with sin, He had to go to the cross. That's how much He loved us. That's how much He loved us. And I, I hope, I hope that, that truth never gets old with you, that whenever you're tempted to sin, to think a bad thought, to do something that doesn't glorify Him, that He loves you so much that God the Father was willing to send His Son to die on the cross Something that, as a as a father or as a mother, if you're here, to think of putting your child through that, I, I can't I can't fathom that. To be willing to do that so that God could have fellowship with us. And I know you say you want to have fellowship with God, but God wants to have fellowship with you even more. He truly does. He truly does. I'm going to have the musicians come. The events of Palm Sunday reveal that Jesus is the humble King, the Messiah, the one that can bring us peace with God. That was Billy Graham's. He would have a track, a pamphlet that he would hand out to people, and it was always entitled Steps to Peace with God because when sin is dealt with, we can have peace with God. Our sin, the debt of our sin, is settled. and We can draw near to God. You know... It would be on Sunday that Jesus would enter Jerusalem, Palm Sunday. And on Thursday, he would celebrate Passover with his disciples. And I, I really don't think the disciples saw what was coming. But as he reclined at a table, it wasn't like this. It was much bigger. It was much lower to the ground, about probably about the, the height of what the bench of your chairs are. And they reclined. They sat kind of on their side and. There, there was bread, there was the wine, maybe some other things for the meal, for probably the lamb, right? Because that was part of the Passover feast. It was there. Passover was an annual feast that was celebrated, that all Jews observed, and it was a remembrance of their time in Egypt, right? Right? And it was time for God to bring them out of Egypt. And they cried out to God. And, and so God raises up Moses, right? And Pharaoh says, hey, I'm not going to let these people go. I'm, I'm benefiting from their slave labor. And so God sends the plagues. But the last plague was the most ominous. That's when the death angel would pass over Egypt. And all firstborn males would be dead. In the morning, unless what? Unless they took the blood of the lamb and put it over the doorpost of the house. They were to, take, they was to kill the lamb, take the blood, put it over the doorposts, then roast the lamb with bitter herbs and spices. They would have the meal with all their family in the house. And that night, the death angel passed over. All firstborn males passed away. You could probably hear cries going through the streets as it happened. But for those that had the blood over the doorposts, death passed over, right? See, it's not by chance, folks, that on Thursday night Jesus has Passover with his disciples. Because who was the lamb? Who was this pointing to? It was pointing to that he was the lamb of God. That would be sacrificed on the cross so that death could pass over. Over you and I that have applied the blood of Christ to our life. It wasn't by chance. It's so powerful. Isaiah 52, 53 records this. I'm just going to read from 53. It says, Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? But he, referring to Jesus, grew up before us like a tender shoot like a root out of dry ground. I mean, very humble beginnings. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to Him, nothing in appearance that we should desire Him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man familiar with suffering and pain, like one whom people hide their faces, and He was despised and we held Him in low esteem. But surely He took up our pain, and He bore our suffering. Yet we considered Him punished by God and stricken by Him and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace with God was on Him. And by His wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned his own way. You ever done that? And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all, the sin of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet we did not. he did not open his mouth. He went like a lamb to the slaughter. As sheep, we go before the shears of slain. And so he did not open his mouth. See, he could have called 10,000 angels. He said, I, I, I don't want to do this, God the Father. I don't want to do it. But in that Garden of Gethsemane, after he had Passover with his disciples, he said, not my will, but your will be done. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of this generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. That's all fulfilled. And the rich in his death, Joseph of Arimathea. He had, no, he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. He wasn't a sinner. It was our sin he died on the cross for. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer And through the Lord, though the Lord makes his life as an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in the land. And after he had suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. There will be a resurrection. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. He will make many right, holy, pure. And he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I'll give him a portion among the great. He's going to be exalted. And it will divide his spoils among the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for transgressors. Amen. Amen. I'm going to have those that are going to help out the community if you make your way forward. Amy's going to lead us in this course. Would you just prepare your hearts this morning to? Uh, partake of communion. Kids are welcome. That's a parent decision. If they understand what communion are, they can participate. Um, But would you stand? We're going to worship the Lord and sing through that and then we'll partake of communion together.
1: Could imagine so great a mercy?
0: Jesus says that he stands at the door and knocks. If anybody opens up that door, he will come in and have fellowship with them. And that is a reference to fellowship and, uh, with him, but also that means that our sin has been dealt with, right? Because we can sit down with the King of kings and the Lord of lords and have fellowship with him. Communion. Jesus would tell His disciples that night, He says, I'm not going to partake of communion the Lord's Supper again until when? Until He returns again in in heaven. And so again, it points to that one day because we've partaken in what He did on the cross, we've accepted that, we'll have fellowship with Him in eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Father, this morning, You said that if we do not know you as our Lord and our Savior, we don't know if we have peace with God. You said that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. Romans chapter 10, 9 through 10. And so, Lord God, if that's our prayer this morning, our desire, Father, you've promised to come in, forgive us of our sin, and have fellowship with us, and walk with us through every stage of life. And Lord God, um, I also pray that you would just allow us to be grateful, a grateful and thankful people and to always keep before us how much you value our, our fellowship and that you want to be in relationship with us. And that's why you sent your son. So Lord God, as we partake today, bless our fellowship, our time. The bread symbolizes your body that would be broken and crushed for us. The grape juice symbolizes your body, your life that was poured out for us, your death and life. You're obedient even unto death. And Lord God, so we thank you, we praise you. And as we partake, Lord God, I pray, I pray that you would be honored and you'd be lifted up. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to encourage you to make your way to the center. Come down the center aisles here. And you, uh, they're going to, Sing the song again. Uh, Worship the Lord together, and then we'll partake together. So take it back to your seat, and we'll partake together. Amen? All right. If you don't know what to do, just follow somebody that knows what they're doing. All right?
1: Starting at verse 3. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your
0: Worship the Lord together. Just think about what He did for you on the cross of Calvary. Make it personal for yourself. This That song is just so theologically correct, isn't it? Just tied in with the message. This represents His body that was broken, that was crushed. Jesus often, not often, but He did, John referred to Himself as the bread of life, right? And uh, grape juice symbolizes His life that would be poured out for us. Father, as we partake, be present here with us. As You were with Your disciples, Lord, had fellowship with them. Lord God, I believe you're pulling up a chair and, and you're here with us, Lord. And Spirit, and one day we're going to partake with you in eternity, Lord, because the blood of Christ has been applied to our life. We give you the thanks. and We ask it in your name. Amen. Let's partake of the bread together. Partake of the grape juice. Amen. Can we sing that chorus, the Hallelujah part? Let's sing that together. Father, this morning, go with us. And Lord, may we have that living hope within our heart and in our life, Lord. I, I realize we live in a fallen world and sometimes great things happen and sometimes very difficult things happen. But Lord, you've placed within us the hope of Christ, that living hope, Lord God. And even in the darkest of moments, may that light shine through the cracks and the crevices and fill our everyday, Lord God. May your joy, your hope fill us, Lord God. And Lord God, more importantly, may that light shine and to the world around us, Lord. Just And not just masses of people, but the people near us. The people we know by name or by face. Lord God, let the hope of Christ shine through our life. We give you the thanks, we give you the praise, your name we ask. Amen. Praise God. Hey, grab an invitation if you don't have one. Um, sign up for the breakfast. Want to bring a few things? You don't have to. Sunrise service six forty-five for your early birds. Bring your own chair. Uh, dress appropriately, right? And then breakfast, men. If you want to help with making it, um, maybe put that on the sheet as well. There, saying yes, count on me. Bring your own griddle. I don't know what abbreviation that stands for. Bring your own griddle. Yep, B O G. All right, bring your own griddle, spatula. All right, and then. Um, Yeah, breakfast at 8 o'clock and then our 10 o'clock service. Bring a friend, even if you have to drag them here, all right? Just don't get a ticket or anything like that, all right? All right, hey, God bless you. Take time to fellowship with one another, and uh, God bless you this morning.